morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you uh, here in person to our friends watching online. A happy Easter to you as well. We're thrilled to be one family uh, living in wild times, right? It's just nice to see people in the space. Uh, that's an encouraging thing. And no matter where you are, what we want to do is make the most of not a holiday, but a holy day. This day matters. It matters for lots of reasons. And I want us to think about this morning about what this will matter for you, like for the real world. It's one thing to celebrate something ancient and old just because it's history. But that's not what this is for us. This is about meaning for today and for now. So what we're going to do is we're going to read what happened because I think so many times we have a sense of what the resurrection and Easter are all about, but we don't pause to actually see what God has revealed about it. So let's just do this. We're going to begin in um, Matthew 28, and we're starting in verse uh, 1. Let's just, let's just read this together. It says, After Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out, uh, went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there uh, they, will, they will see me. This is um, no ordinary series of events. I think it's been sanitized because we've seen it in drama. We've seen it in pictures. What's, what's going on here? A violent earthquake. How many would you remember if you were in the middle of an earthquake? I think, I think you would like remember where you were when suddenly the ground shook. But uh, a violent earthquake is one thing. How about this? Let's add to that something beyond beyond human, beyond what you can understand, in glistening white with a voice that needs to tell you, don't be afraid. Implication, they're scared to death. Why do we know the ladies are scared to death? Is because the guards who are there to protect the tomb, military, tough, macho, what are they doing? Laying down, pretending that they're dead. Because they're so in awe by what they don't understand that they pretend we're not, we're not really here, the words, don't be afraid. And, and so that they get the message, Jesus is alive. Well, that's great. I kind of believe it. They go off and follow the instructions. And who do they find? They find Jesus is there. So much so, because they're just blown away by the message, that they, they, they don't give him a hug. What do they do? They go to his feet and bow and worship. And he's alive. And he's touchable. And, and what does Jesus say to them, do not be afraid. Implication, we're scared to death. The, the whole surrounding of this event is filled with awe and with wonder. And 
It's the reminder that this should bring awe and wonder to us. Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' life, it changes everything. It's not just an event to look back at. And the reason it changes everything is because of what happens to these ladies and happens to these guys. You keep reading the end of Matthew 28. You read Acts, you read the rest of the Bible, and you realize what happened on that morning impacted them for the rest of their lives. They began to go around telling people who didn't see him physically, Jesus is alive. It shaped everything. The rest of their story is impacted, and they live with a new hope, and they share a new message, and they have a, a new power. And I'm just here to encourage you. That's what Jesus wants for us on Easter, that it really shakes us, that it, it awakens us. Why? Because so much of life is just putting us to sleep week in, week out, week in, week out. And, and uniquely, I think this year, we have a chance to experience the freshness of Easter in a profound way. How many remember last year we were going to do Easter in person, and we're, where were we? We're at home. How many feel like the square footage in your house has shrunk this last year? I'm serious. I mean, we've turned everything into an office. Everything, this little nook. Hey, there's three square feet. Here's my office, right? Uh, we, we've been so impacted. I think last year we, we had Luis Palau scheduled to preach. For some reason, no one had, had booked him to preach. He has, uh, had cancer, and so people thought he wasn't preaching. I said, would you come here and preach? And I was so giddy to have this place packed out with, with people to hear. And then a few weeks beforehand, everything shuts down. And by God's grace, we flipped the script a little bit and recorded a message in the other room of this building that ended up being seen by hundreds of thousands of people. I saw clips of it, John. I saw clips of it today, one year later. So we have our plans and God has his purposes. Would you agree? Now, what we get from this year's expression of Easter is the reality of what it can mean for us. I want to focus on that. And I think if this is real, we just can't live the same old way. We can't. It's like not an option unless we just put it to the side and don't see the resurrection for what it really is. What does it have to do with our life right now? I think the last year, this is why resurrection is so important, the last year has exposed our, our propensity, our just habit to hoard things. I mean, we hoarded toilet paper, people. We did. We hoarded, I remember for weeks I couldn't find flour because in a moment of crisis, you know what we do? We don't say like, wow, everyone's in need. I'll grab my role, you grab your role. We'll all just get along. Well, you know what I did? You know what you did? We took everything we could. Why? I matter. Well, in light of the resurrection, we're going to learn that we're not committed to a life of me, me, me. We're committed to a life of you, a life of service. The, the resurrection really matters. We even see hoarding today. Um, and this isn't a political statement. It's just a reality. As the vaccine has rolled out, it's been interesting to see the squabbles over it, but it's been interesting to really see how wealthy countries like ours have purchased more than enough and poor countries who just don't have the resources, we're not even thinking of them yet. If there's any leftover, maybe we'll share. Um, I, I think the resurrection is standing in the face of our greed. By nature, we lean towards our benefit, towards selfishness, but Jesus' rising should speak to that, and I hope it does. Um, we've we've uh, had a year where our work 
rhythms and our school rhythms and our life rhythms have radically changed, haven't they? And it's, it's, it's brought some good things. We've had quality time with people that we normally, you know, we just catch in with, but now we're like there, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's been a blessing and it's been, yeah, it's been a thing. <laughs> you know why? Because if I'm around me for a long time, I get annoyed with me. And haven't you found that to be true? That the broken things in our relationships, in our world, in our attitude, the way we just live our lives, uh, this year has, has elevated it, hasn't it? It's shown that our brokenness is real. And, and by the way, in the middle of all that, let's just throw this into the pot. Over the last year, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever remembered a more divisive time about it. I can't bring up any issue. Any feeling, any thought, any opinion, wow, pa, 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 and it's sides. It's, it's the gulf between you and you. And, and, and we've seen things that are just hurtful. Uh, we, we've seen racism exposed for what it really is. And it's been interesting to see the reaction on every side to people denying the hurt and harm that we've, we've uh, put towards other human beings created in the image of God. And then if you have a solution or anything, you're shot down from everyone else. And we can't even get along about anything, whether it's race or politics or, or how, how do we reopen. Oh, boy, there's a lightning rod. Um, we, we have just, you know what's happened? In light of Jesus' resurrection, what, what's broken within and the division within, it's just been exposed. And the reason this is so important is because the myth of progress is a myth. There's a myth that says, well, over time, things are going to get better. We just need more technology. We just need more money. We just need more brain power. We just need more progress because the world is getting better. Until you read history and you realize it's not. The myth of progress is a myth because it doesn't factor in the sinfulness of the human heart. So yeah, in some areas, things are getting better. But what needs to be dealt with, and this is where Jesus really makes the huge difference, is the sinfulness. It's my greed. It's my selfishness. It's my divisiveness. It's my brokenness that spoils progress because I'm really unlike Jesus in so many ways. And so, okay, we have this event, and I want us to think about what does it speak to how I live today and tomorrow? What about your future? What about one month from now? What about one year from now? What about one decade from now? What about like one century from now? If Jesus is alive and he went to a cross saying himself to lay down my life as a ransom, a sacrifice to rescue many, if all of that is true, what do we learn about how to live today? Fortunately, we're in the middle of a series in the Revelation of Jesus. And I think we, we overlook this book because some of the language is mysterious. But the end of the Bible ends with a book of hope. So what I want to do is in a moment jump ahead. We just finished chapter 16. We're going to hit 17, 18, and 19 next week. Hopefully if you're here, you'll join us in that study. By the way, uh, next week we meet at 9 and 11. A reminder, you know, uh, don't come at 10. It'll be very awkward. But uh, if you come at 9 or 11, we're going to look at Revelation 17, 18, 19. But for today, I want to jump ahead to Revelation 21 because what the Bible reminds us is that Jesus spoke to people when he rose again. They saw him, they met him, they touched him, they ate with him, they were really with him. And we think that it's done. And then we realize Jesus 
ascends in Acts chapter 2. He, he ascends in heaven and he's with the Father and he's ruling and reigning and we think like, he has nothing else to say. And then we read the revelation of Jesus and we realize Jesus is always speaking to his people. Well, what does Jesus say about resurrection future? Where is this headed and, and how do we lean into it today? All right, Revelation 12, uh, uh, 21 verses 1 through 5. Uh, this is what Jesus wants us to remember. John says, Then I saw, quote, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice, and it was coming from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And what do we, how do we know what this is like? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. All things new. Now we're going to look at this in detail in a couple weeks, so I don't want to give it all away. But I wanted to jump ahead because sometimes we think about the resurrection as a past thing. Like I'm, I'm looking, Jesus did that and he rose again. Great. But what we see in the Bible is this tension. It is a past real event. really happened in history. But it's also speaking to the future. In other words, Jesus' plan in rising again was to set in motion everything being made new. The reason that he rose again was to initiate the plan to bring about new, new heavens. We saw that. New earth. Where are we headed? Just, just two thoughts and, and how, to, how to resist temptation because of those thoughts. All right. The first thing we see is it's a, it's a new home. It's new heaven, and it's new earth, and there's no more seas. Like, oh, bummer, no more, like, coast? No more, like, trips to the beach to freeze and pretend we're happy? Which is our experience, right? If you're watching from Florida, you have, you have yeah, we have a coast, you have an ocean. But um, you have the beach. But, but for us, what, what is the no more sea? Well, there's a holy city coming down. And no more sea. Well, this is vivid imagery. The place in John's time where you came to worship any, anyone who worshiped any god went to a temple. The idea was you went to be at the place where God dwells. And we know that the people of Israel, uh, and even Jesus himself, when they went to worship, they went to Jerusalem, which was the place of meeting with God. And here's the picture that we get. Resurrection is about God saying, when he made the world, he walked in it. Adam, Eve, with God, cool of the day, hanging out, eating fruit, relaxing, enjoying. That's what God made us for. God made us to walk with him and know him like in real time. And it's so distant past. We can't even fathom like me walking with God, you walking with God. Yeah, that's, that's what you and I were made for. But it's obviously been broken down because Adam and Eve rebel, we all rebel, we do our own thing, and how are we going to stand in the presence of an almighty holy God? And, and here's what Jesus does. He, 
He comes and he gives his life to bring us back to God. And in the future, the picture is not that we go and escape earth and live on planet number 475 in galaxy number 1231. No. You know what God's plan is? He's going to make this whole thing new and reset it to the way it was supposed to be at the beginning. And even better, so that's where you see the, the temple comes down. The temple is the sign of God's presence. God's presence is coming here in its full. And in order for that to happen, he's going to make the whole thing new. No more sea. Sea was the place. For us, it's beautiful because you go on a boat and you watch the sunset. The sea for them was the place of terror. Because the waves crashed in. People went out in boats and never came back. They died in the sea. The sea was the place of chaos and disorder. And when it came to the things of God, people saw the sea as sin and evil. And so the picture is new, whatever that looks like. It's new. And there's no more evil. There's no more sin. There's no more destruction. It's, it's beautiful. And this is where the world is heading. And friend... The resurrection is so important because this is a reminder is life right now doesn't seem like this picture. But if you forget where God is taking the world and you, you can lose your hope right now. You can think that this is it. You can falsely imagine if your life is great right now, you're like, wow, could it get any better than this? Yeah, how about a new world with no more sickness and disease and evil. Now, why is this important? Because if we forget the resurrection, we're going to give in to the temptation to live for ourselves only. I want you to think about this for a second. If you forget that Jesus rose again from the grave, you'll be tempted like everyone else to make everything about what I get, what I have. And so you can live your whole life, even loving Jesus, but actually live your whole life for more. Like, I need this house, and I need this car, and I need this experience, and I need this relationship, and I need this vacation. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. God gives us liberally and to enjoy. It's a beautiful thing to have the gift of God and have resources. You know, reality check, time out. Even the poorest of our poor here are wealthy by the standards of the world. We've been blessed. Call it this. It's not luck, and it wasn't your ancestors. God has been gracious to you. He's been gracious you have more than one thing to wear. You have a closet filled with things you don't wear. We've been blessed. Okay, but the temptation, if you, if you ignore the resurrection and forget where God's taking, you can make the whole story about you and your accumulation of things. And have you met people at work or in the neighborhood or anything else? We realize within 10 minutes of the conversation, they're just obsessed about collecting things i got to save enough. Why? For retirement. Built on a false assumption that we're going to live longer than we think we are. i got to save it all. Now, again, I'm all for savings, and I've got a retirement plan. But, but my, my hope is not tied to this stuff. Because I know God is making all things new so I can resist the temptation to be selfish, and I can learn to live in resurrection generosity. So, friend... If you're following Jesus, here's the opportunity to evaluate. If I really believe that Jesus is alive, am I willing to let go? Am I willing to live generous? Am I willing to receive everything as grace, everything as gift, 
and give away as God enables me? Am I willing to see my time and my energy and all this stuff as really belonging to God? And by the way, I'm not just tied to this because my future is secure with Jesus and I'm going to have a new home with him. I hope you have a you're happy and you have a decent place to live, but it's nothing compared to the world they do. So why, Jesus follower, are we so discouraged about our human circumstances when we forget what God's preparing? Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Rooms, houses, mansions, however you want to translate it, what I do know is this. Everyone gets a good view, okay? No one's staring at someone's backyard. Awkward. Everyone gets a good view because God in his love is taking you and me because of the resurrection into the future. All right, we've got a new home. Second thing I think it's obvious here is we get a new body. I love the description, verse 4. He will wipe away the tears from their eyes. Man, there have been a lot of tears over the last year, haven't there? A lot of loss, a lot of mourning. There'll be no more death. I haven't been to lots of uh, funerals or memorials, like I think less than one hand that I could even think of. But everybody dies. And one day people will have, hopefully, will have some sort of ceremony to honor you. But there's going to be a time with no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain because this old system the system where you're born and you immediately start to decay. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of growing in the process. Don't get me wrong. You get a little bigger, and then by your early 20s, your body starts to fall apart. It's just a fact. I think it's 23 or 27. I'm not sure. But it's in your 20s, you start to decay. Carbs will not be a challenge forever. Hallelujah. We're going to get a new body. It's going to be altogether like but unlike what we have right now. So Jesus, why does resurrection matter? This resurrection body is just like Jesus. Jesus is the one who is eating with his disciples. He is walking on planet Earth. I think he's breathing oxygen. He's there. He's not a ghost. He's tangible. They touch his side. They touch his wrists. And he walks through walls and he ascends. Explain that to me. It's a new body. It's like ours but different. Carbs won't be a challenge. Cancer cells won't grow forever. Thank God. Thank God. They won't grow forever. We're going to be made new. The more I go to the dentist, the more I realize decay is a real thing. It's funny. I'm doing the stuff. You know, you, you brush your teeth. I have like the superpower, you know, toothbrush. And do the twice a day little rinse, maybe TMI here. But you rinse. Do, I do all the stuff. Floss every day religiously. And yet my teeth are still crumbling. They're still like crumbling. It's quite frustrating. In the last year, I had a tooth just literally just crumble. Maybe it was years of candy. It's another story for another day, but (laughs) decay is just, decay is just part of the human experience. And here's, why does the resurrection matter? If, If we're not careful, we'll think our home is just here, and we'll only live for the here and now. We won't live for Jesus. We won't live for the future. And we won't live generously because we think, I've got to hoard. I've got to hold because I may not have enough. <laughs> Jesus is alive. He can take care of us. Same thing when it comes to our body. If we don't realize that there's a new order of things coming, then we'll live obsessed, absolutely 
obsessed with the fear of the future, and everyone's trying to look their best. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's a smart thing. But I think we can get, we can get thrown off and realize you can slow it down, but the end is coming, but not for the Jesus follower. The end, yes, our body does die. You put it in the grave and it deteriorates. But absent with the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And there's the promise of a new body. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, thinking about this, thinking about the teaching of Jesus, look at what he tells us. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or died. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And this is the, this is the shared experience. Every one of us is just like Adam and Eve, made in the image of God. We've all abandoned God. We've all rejected him. We've all sinned and fallen short of God who's glorious. Everyone. And, and that road leads to death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. But notice, in Jesus, we see a better way. He is alive, therefore will be made alive. Verse 23, but each in turn. So this is the order. Christ, the first fruits, Jesus already rose from the grave. Then we then when he comes, those who belong to him. So our resurrection bodies in the future. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, uh, to kingdom to God the Father, and he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and all power. So Jesus is the first to rise, but he's not the only one to rise. And this is the hope that we have. Listen, friend, this is, this is not our only home. This is our important home, but not our eternal home I can live now for Jesus because I know in the future this life will have ups and downs, but my eternal home is secure. Now the same thing with the body. I can use this body that God's given me for good. So we want to resist the temptation, right, to live only for today. If I forget that God has things for me in the future, a new body, a new life in this new world, this time with God's presence fully here. Do you know, in, in, in the future, in this new heaven and new earth, there are things that we're going to do. How do I know this? Adam and Eve, given the opportunity to grow things in the garden, and God's there not doing everything for them. He's there with them. And he's given the, them the capacity to take this beautiful space and, and cultivate it. And I, I think as we look at Scripture, the same thing is happening. New heavens, new earth, there's no sin, there's no corruption, we live forever, but we're not sitting bored. We're in God's world with God and His people, and we're together. And by the way, what we do now leans into the future. And those who've been faithful to follow Jesus now are given the reward of what? A vacation home? No. Our responsibility to work with God in his world. This is amazing stuff. So, so if, if I forget the resurrection, I will think that my life right now is everything instead of realizing today's a gift and it's a gift to be used. So, so, so Jesus wants to rescue me so that I can use the rest of my days being a part of his plan, a part of what he's doing. And I hope that for you. And no matter how challenging your days are here on the earth, you don't have to live for only today. You can live in light of Jesus and make him the centerpiece 
by which you live your life and, and make every day count. What would it look like if all of us as Jesus people realized, in light of what God's going to put in the future, I want to do everything I can for Jesus right now. I want to go like all out. I want to be full on. I'm not going to waste a moment. Why? Every moment matters. Every person matters. Every day matters. Every city matters. And as long as we're here, we get the beautiful honor of continuing the tradition to people before us who have been able to tell the Jesus story. We could tell people about the love of God in Jesus. We could invite them to follow him too. And, and all this is because of Jesus. Verse 5. He who's seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And that newness begins right now. It begins when he comes in and he makes us new. You know, the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says the old is gone, the new, what God is going to do in the future, the new has come. It's begun in you. And this is the beauty of following Jesus. He gives us a new heart. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sin from us. He gives us a new heart. He gives us, in a sense, a new temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence now lives with us. And, and now, we, Jesus said, follow me. We get a new path. Now, now I, I couldn't figure out how life worked. And now, in Christ, I actually can. And I can grow to learn God's will for my life and, and live it out. We have a new power. Jesus said, what you'll receive power in the Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses wherever you go. You're going to be like my representatives. And, and Jesus is the one who does all this. Verse, verse 6, he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. It's a gift. It's absolutely a gift. Those who are victorious, Victorious will, notice this word, inherit all this. The implication here is anyone who's in Jesus didn't make their way, earn their way, buy their way, deserve their way. The, the free gift of the water of life. And guess what? They inherit. And so, so God is a giver of gifts and he's looking for people to receive. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And, and notice the relationship. I'll be their God and they'll be my what? They'll be my children. So the greatest beautiful picture is because of Jesus and the resurrection, we get to enter God's new family. And I belong to Jesus and you belong to Jesus. And guess what? We belong to each other in Jesus. So now I get to use all this time and energy to love Jesus' people, my brothers and sisters, and to do God's work in the world. And in light of the resurrection to come, Jesus says in the future we're all going to stand and give an account of our lives. And it's not going to be a sin list. Jesus is not going to say to you in the new heavens and new earth, hey, on Tuesday you were terrible. No. You know what he's going to say? That small cup of cold water given in my name. Oh, there's reward. Inheritance. By the way, Jesus removes our sin. It's gone. It's not remembered. It's, it's absent. It's not that he's forgetful. He's already paid for it. But what happens is when I live for Jesus today, when I recognize the resurrection, I realize my life counts and Jesus is lovingly watching, and he's a rewarder of good gifts. You know, if you ever get an inheritance, you realize um, you may have been kind or nice, but you don't deserve it. The person with resources thought of you, right? 
And inheritance by its nature is, is not, it's not automatic. It's the person with wealth said, you know what, when I go, or maybe I'll give him some as a down payment to make him happy, well, I'm going to give, this is mine, and it's yours. And you know what Jesus is saying to us? He's filled with everything, and I want to give good gifts to my kids. And, and by the way, these are the ones that are victorious, the ones who belong to Jesus. They're part of God's family. They have God's spirit. They've been given a new heart. They've been given a new name. And they've been given a new future. And I just, I just hope that for you. But you know what? The reality of it is, this isn't automatic. And I could be kind and stop here, but I need to read the next couple of verses of Revelation 21 because it gives us the contrast. Notice verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur, and this is the second death. Now, I don't have time to get into this. Come back in, in, over the next few weeks. We're going to unpack this. But the reality is there's a contrast. The holy city, God's presence with God's people, those who belong to Jesus are in that space. New home, new body, new life. And the vivid imagery is the stark contrast. There are those, and I'm going to lump it up in one word, those who are unbelieving. They're not trusting Jesus. They're not, they're not trusting him to rescue them. By the way, no one gets to be in God's presence by the reward system. It's by grace that you've been rescued through faith. This is the gift of God, not by works so that no human being can boast. We all belong to Jesus because we said, I'm not worthy, but you may be worthy. Make me worthy. It's by faith. But there are some who are going to refuse that. And, and what's ahead for them sounds horrible, and it's supposed to sound horrible. By the way, burning sulfur isn't a sunburn. Burning sulfur. The vivid imagery is supposed to shock us. This is the second what? Death. We're going into the second stage of life, but the, some are, are going to the second death. And, and here's what you need to know. That is not God's will for you, and he's brought you here to remind you. He loves you. He wants you. And he's saying, receive the gift of life, and I hope that you will. By the way, when we live this way, we're going to resist the temptation to make life all about me. All of life is about Jesus. And so my life, when I embrace the resurrection... When I remember the resurrection of Jesus, it's the marker. My life belongs to him. You've been crucified with Christ, and yet you're alive, right? We're alive. But the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us. And by the way, we've been purchased. We don't belong to ourselves. You have been bought with a price, the Bible says. Therefore, honor God with what? Your body, your everything. The beautiful good news is that Jesus is making all things new. Now we see the future, but let's step into the now. Will you receive this gift of life? Friends, this is a gift, but it's a gift that you need to receive. And so we say it again and again and again. As long as you're breathing, follow Jesus. As long as you have today, <laughs> follow Jesus. So you may have 
come in with a season where you feel like, you know what, I don't know who I'm really following right now. I think it's Jesus on Monday and pretty much me on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, great. The obvious response is follow Jesus every day. And maybe you haven't even begun that. This morning we want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. Because in him, he is making all things new. And wouldn't it be beautiful if on this Easter morning, this Resurrection Sunday, that that transformation, I can't see it with my eyes, but it really happens, that, that you go from death to life. From darkness to light. And the, the imagery of the Bible is meant to give us a mental picture of what God does deep within. And so, friend, receive Jesus Christ. Receive him. And we want to help you take that next step. I'm going to invite you all to stand on your feet if you would. The worship team's going to come, and we're going to continue to sing. But um, we want to make sure in moments like the, these, we want to make sure that everyone here, that you would really follow Jesus and that you would love him with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And so I, I thank God that in the rhythm of life, he's put in Sunday every week. It's the weekly reminder that I need Jesus every day. And then we get these, a few times a year, these extra special reminders, these holy days, Christmas and Easter and others, where we really focus our attention on what matters. And what matters is, is Jesus living in you? Are, do you belong to Jesus or is he is he distant from your experience? And this morning, the good news is anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be rescued. Anyone. God loved the world so much he sent his son. What? Not to condemn you, but to bring you to life. Those who believe in him will not perish. They will receive everlasting. My friend, receive Jesus Christ. Do it now, I pray. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And for some of you, it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Man, thank you, Jesus, that you've done that for me. I belong to you. Now empower me to live for you. But maybe for some of you this morning, it's a turning point kind of prayer. And, and, and if that's the case, fantastic. Whether you're watching online, you're watching here in the building, this is the moment to receive Jesus Christ. So let's have a prayer together. And if you want to receive him, pray something like this. The words aren't magic and the words aren't the critical matter. It's the heart. It's in the deep part of us in the heart that we believe. And out, out of the mouth comes what's deep in the heart. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ, just ask him. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment if you would. And we want to take this moment because there may be one or two or three or ten or twenty or whatever online and here that are saying, you know what, I really want to receive Jesus Christ. And if that's you, you can, you can pray something like this. Dear Jesus. You know everything about me. And I'm not hiding. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I know that I've sinned. But I believe that you, Jesus Christ, died and rose again to rescue me. Jesus, rescue me.